Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Well, it's so good to have you with us today, whether it's your first time with us or you've been with us a long time here at Journey. Thanks so much for joining us. We're thrilled to have you. And whether you're a Christian, not a Christian, church person, used to be a church person, you've never been a church person, don't ever want to be a church person, wherever you are in that spectrum, one of the things that's important to remember is we all have a lot more in common than we have differences. And one of the things we have in common is this. All of us have had experiences, we've had situations, we've had relationships where we have been deeply hurt. It wasn't something small, it was something significant. It wasn't something distracting, it was something devastating. It wasn't just a one-time deal, it was a thing that happened over and over and over again. What do you do with that? That's what we're going to talk about today. We know what to do with the little stuff. We talked about this last week in episode one of The Grudge. When it's small stuff, you just let it go. Why? Well, because your life is too short and your purpose too great to be offended by something small. But what do you and I do with the big stuff? What do you and I do with the hurt, with the pain, with the wounds that are gut-wrenching, the ones that take our breath away? What do you do with the pain and the hurt of someone who's done something repeatedly to you? What do you do with those pains and those hurts that have happened? And maybe it was months ago, maybe it was years ago, but you still feel the impact of it today. How do you deal with those things? What do you do with that person that you cared about and you trusted so deeply and then they betrayed you? How do you make sense of that? How do you move beyond that? How do you heal from that? What do you do when you had that dad that you just wanted his approval so bad, you just wanted to make him proud, and yet it never felt like you could measure up? And he made sure you knew you could never measure up. And you're still dealing with the impact of that today. What do you do when you've had a boyfriend who's lied to you, a girlfriend who's cheated on you? What do you do when you've had a spouse who's looked at you and basically said, you're not good enough anymore. I've chosen or found somebody different or I want to choose or find somebody different. I am done with you. That's some deep pain. What do you do with that? What do you do with those pains that have come because, and for some of you, unfortunately, you have lived this. There was someone there who should have been protecting you. There was someone there who should have been honoring you. There was someone there who should have been valuing you. And instead, they abused you, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe sexually, but they abused you. And then they made you feel like it was your fault. What do you do with all of that pain? We could all tell stories, couldn't we? We know what it's like to be hurt and to be hurt deeply. So I'll tell you what you do with it, but you don't really need me to tell you. Let me go ahead and get this out of the way. This is the unsatisfying, this is the frustrating. This is the painful. This is a, I don't want to hear it again. This is a, I can't believe you would even mention this. This is the churchy answer that we all know, but none of us want to acknowledge. Here's what you do with all of those hurts. You forgive, you forgive. But again, you already knew that, didn't you? So, so do I. But how do you do that? For some of us, we feel like we're failures at forgiveness. We're going to talk more about this next week. We feel like we're failures. We tried to forgive. It just didn't work. But let's be honest. <laughs> Not only do we struggle with how do we forgive in the middle of some of these deep pains, deep wounds, deep scars, but the reality is for a lot of us, we don't even want to forgive, do we? So even though we may intellectually know what's best for us, come on, I'm not even sure I want to get there. 
Why is it that we resist forgiveness so much? Well, I want to suggest three reasons, and there are probably more, but I want to suggest three reasons that I have found I tend to resist forgiving. Maybe you tend to resist forgiving. So if you're in the middle of struggling with forgiving right now, see if any of these connect with you. See which ones of them might land close to home. Here's one of the reasons. We resist forgiving sometimes because we like what I call the drug of anger. Now, why did I call it that? Because whenever you're hurt deeply, you feel powerless. You may have never thought of it this way, but this is what happens to all of us. You're hurt deeply, you feel powerless. And what do you do when you find yourself in a powerless situation? You want to gain power and control somehow. All of us tend to gravitate towards trying to feel powerful whenever we feel powerless. And anger has a way of doing that. Anger lets us feel like we've gained a little bit of control, we've gained a little bit of power back. But it is a drug It is intoxicating. And you know what happens when somebody's intoxicated. They never make good decisions, do they? Not only that, intoxication never heals anyone. And unfortunately, anger doesn't either. Sometimes we resist forgiving for this reason, because we feel like we'll lose the hope of justice. You ever felt this way? What they did was so bad. If I forgive them, if I try to move on, if I let it go, well, they're never going to pay. If I try to forgive them, they're just going to get off the hook. They're just going to be able to move on. They'll never have to deal with what they actually did. Sometimes I think we forgive because we're holding on to the hope that I just want justice. And as long as I hold on to this grudge, as long as I refuse to let go of this hurt, then maybe eventually justice will be served. Here's another reason. Sometimes we resist forgiving because we don't feel responsible ourselves to forgive until they admit, they ask, they promise, and they pay. You ever felt this way? I'm willing to forgive if they admit what they did was wrong. Not only that, they need to admit that they understand just how wrong it was and how deeply it hurt me. And then they need to come and they need to ask me to forgive them. And I want to see a lot of contrition. Matter of fact, I need a promise that they're never going to do it again. I need to see some proof. So, you know, your promise, your word is one thing, but I probably need some proof over a period of time that verifies the promise. You'll never, ever do this again. And then... I need to see you pay. You should pay something. You can't just get off the hook. You you can't just walk away free. So once you admit, once you ask, once you promise, and then once you pay, okay, well, then I'll forgive you. Now, here's the problem with resisting forgiveness, whether it's for this reason or any other. It impacts you. It actually, in many cases, doesn't impact the other person. Your withholding forgiveness, my withholding forgiveness, it's actually self-sabotaging, isn't it? For this reason. When we resist, when you resist forgiving, you forfeit your own freedom. I want you to think about this for a minute because it's counterintuitive. But whenever you resist forgiving or I resist forgiving, we're actually forfeiting our very own freedom. See, resisting forgiving, it's like grabbing a hundred pound backpack and strapping it on my back and deciding I'm just going to live every moment of every day with this backpack for the foreseeable future. Now, imagine you did that. You know what would happen to me if I carry a 100-pound backpack around? Well, it'd feel awfully heavy and uncomfortable at first, and I'd be grumpy. It would limit my freedom. I wouldn't be able to do as many things as I was doing. I wouldn't be able to move as quickly as I wanted to move. I wouldn't be able to accomplish some of the stuff I wanted to accomplish because the backpack would weigh me down. But here's what's so interesting about it. The longer I wore the backpack, guess what would happen? It wouldn't become any lighter. I just would become used to it. It wouldn't become any lighter I would just forget eventually it was there. Now, it would take a long time. 
But I would continue to carry around this weight that held me back, that slowed me down, that limited my freedom. But I wouldn't even recognize or realize it was still there. It would just become a part of life. There'd come a point if I carried it long enough then I might not even realize that I can take it off. And so I would feel the impacts of that weight in every area of my life. I'd probably get to the point where that backpack wore me down so much that I was grumpy and irritable and I lashed out at other people and my anger spilled out onto people who had nothing to do with the backpack. But I wouldn't even connect the dots that the backpack was causing all that. It would just feel like part of life to me now. See, this is what unforgiveness does. When I resist forgiving... I strap a 100-pound backpack on me, not on the person who hurt me. That's the irony of it all. They're still walking around free, but I'm carrying the weight, and it's slowing me down, and it's impacting everything I do. I'm forfeiting my own freedom because of the grudge that I choose to carry. Beth Moore put it this way one day. I thought this was extraordinary. She said, everybody's messed up somehow. I don't care who they are. Life's too wounding not to scar, so we're all going to be hurt. That doesn't excuse wrongdoing or suspend consequences. This is so important. She says, wrong's wrong. But look at what she says next. But unforgiveness glues us to the offender. And the wrong just keeps on wronging. What a powerful picture. Unforgiveness. My choice to grab hold of this grudge and strap it on my back and carry it with me. It glues me to the offender. I cannot get away from the person who hurt me. I'm allowing them to continue to have a presence in my life. It glues me to the offender and the wrong, the weight, it just keeps on wronging me over and over and over, day after day after day. Now, I want you to imagine something. If you were Jesus, I know this is hard to imagine, but if you were Jesus and you loved you the way he loves you, If you were Jesus and you knew about bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, what he knows about bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, and the impact it'll have on you. So if you were Jesus and you knew all that, what would you say to you about the grudge that you're holding on to? Well, I know what Jesus would say because one day he was in a conversation with his friends and Luke tells us that he told them this. He said, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. This was his way of saying, we're all going to be hurt. It was his way of saying what Beth Moore said, that life's too wounding not to scar. We're all going to be hurt at some point. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe, he says, to anyone through whom they come. Now, this is the part we love. This is the part where we get on the edge of our seat and we go, finally, finally. Jesus, I want you to tell that person who hurt me. I want you to tell them exactly what they've got coming. I want you to take care of them. I love this language. Woe to the one through whom it comes. Jesus, you tell them they've got trouble coming. Jesus says, well, they do have trouble coming. Look at what he says next. It would be better for them, for the person who offends someone, who hurts someone. It'd be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Jesus says, if you're going around intentionally trying to hurt or wound someone, if you make choices that unloving, oh my goodness, you're going to be in big trouble. Now, we tend to enjoy this when we're on the side of, I was hurt. We love hearing this when we're on the side of, yeah, you get them, God. But this is not Jesus' point. Jesus' point was not, hey, those people who hurt you, God's going to get them. Nope. If you've hurt somebody, Jesus' point is not, God's going to get you. No. Jesus' point was, God doesn't have to get you. Sin's going to get you. 
That was his point. And the reason sin's going to get you is because sin, all sin, comes prepackaged with a penalty. Now, don't miss this. All sin comes prepackaged with consequences, prepackaged with a penalty. So when somebody hurts you or when you hurt somebody, God doesn't have to come get you. The choice you made, the sin that you committed, it comes prepackaged with a penalty, and that penalty is going to get you. You want that person who hurt you to feel pain. That person's going to feel pain. You want that person to have a penalty. You want that justice to be served. You can rest easy, Jesus says. Justice will be served because every sin comes prepackaged with a penalty. Now, let me tell you why this is hard for us. Because we can't always see the penalty and the pain that someone who hurt us is feeling. We don't have full information. We don't have a clear perspective. We don't see everything going on in their world. So it's very easy for us to sit over here and go, that person did that to me and they're getting off scot-free. And Jesus says, nope, nope, nope. They're not getting off free because that sin comes prepackaged with a penalty. Now, you may not be able to see it, but he's going, trust me, there's a penalty they're paying. There is a pain they're enduring because of what they went through. So in light of that, Jesus offers a warning but it is not a warning to who you think he would give the warning to. Remember, he's talking to his friends about this. And he looks at them and he says this, so watch yourselves. Wait a minute. We should watch ourselves because we might end up hurting somebody and then we'll face a penalty. And Jesus says, well, that's true, but no, no, no. You should watch yourself when you're the one who's been hurt. Why should I watch myself? Well, because resisting forgiveness, that is a sin that comes prepackaged with a penalty too. So Jesus says, when you find yourself wanting to hold a grudge, he says, you should pay attention. You should watch yourself because you are making a choice that's gonna carry consequences right with it. Look at what he tells them next. He says, watch yourselves because if, so if your brother or sister sins against you, Here's what I want you to do so you don't feel the penalty of unforgiveness. I want you to rebuke them. That's his way of saying, I want you to go and tell them. Don't leave it a secret. Don't just mull it over and hold it against them. But not, No, no, go have a conversation with them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day come back to you saying, I repent. He says, you must forgive them. So he's going, when someone hurts you, when someone offends you, you make the choice to forgive, to which we all go, well, that's ludicrous because you don't know what they did to me and there's no way I should be expected to forgive them. And Jesus says, no, no, it's not about them. This is so important. It's not about them. This is about you. This is about what's best for you. Now, part of the reason we resist forgiveness is we think, well, I can't forgive them and forget about that. This is not what Jesus is teaching. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It is impossible to forgive what's been done to, or to forget, excuse me, what's been done to you. As a matter of fact, in some cases, it would be irresponsible to forget what's been done to you. You need to remember so it doesn't happen again. But you can forgive and not forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean minimizing the, the consequences or minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Forgiveness doesn't mean looking at them and saying, well, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. What they did to you was a big deal. If it wasn't a big deal, it wouldn't require forgiveness. Remember the small stuff? Life's too short. Your purpose is too great to be offended by something small. We just let small stuff go. If it requires forgiveness, that means it's a big deal. You shouldn't act like it's not. But you can forgive and still acknowledge this was a big deal and this hurt me deeply. Forgiveness doesn't mean you resume the relationship like nothing happened. No. 
That, that might be irresponsible on your part. You see, what you may need to do is forgive and then put some healthy boundaries in place. You may need to forgive, but not have them a part of your life anymore. You may need to forgive and say, no, we're not going to resume our relationship, but you're still forgiven. Now, how is it possible to forgive in the middle of all that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because what Jesus taught and what the Apostle Paul later in some of the documents he wrote in the New Testament, what he explained was this, that forgiveness is when you choose to no longer demand payment for what they took from you. Don't miss this. When they hurt you, a debt was created, wasn't it? They took something from you. Jesus' point is this, you can forgive. You can forgive them seven times a day if you need to. Because all you are doing is choosing to say, I'm not going to expect or demand payment from you anymore. You don't owe me. You don't owe me. I'd love an apology, but you don't owe me an apology. I'd love for you to fix what you did, but I'm not going to demand or expect you to fix it. I'd love for you to make up for what you messed up, but the reality is in most cases, people can't anyway, can they? You can't undo what's been done. So Jesus says, I'm just asking you to stop demanding payment for what they took from you. So forgive and keep healthy boundaries. Forgive and let them re-earn trust. Forgive. and Don't act like it wasn't a big deal, but choose to cancel the debt. Now, the beauty of this is, this means forgiveness is a solo sport. Forgiveness is a one-man, one-woman act. This is great news. This is why Jesus said, It doesn't matter if somebody comes and hurts you seven different times in the same day. You can forgive them all seven times. And quite honestly, it doesn't matter if they care that they hurt you. You can still forgive them because forgiveness has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. It's simply an internal choice. I am choosing to no longer demand payment for what you took from me. Now, remember Jesus is telling this to his friends and they hear him say, hey, somebody keeps hurting you over and over again. You just keep forgiving. And they're thinking, Who can do that? Who would do that? Just seems irresponsible to them. So they respond back this way. They look at Jesus and they say, increase our faith. This was their way of saying, oh my gosh, Jesus, nobody can do that. I mean, if you want us to forgive at that level, you're gonna have to help us have a lot more faith. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to show us how to do that. I think we've got, we don't have quite enough faith to do that. We got a faith problem. But Jesus didn't think they had a faith problem. Look at what he says in return. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You probably aren't familiar with mustard seeds. They're about one to two millimeters long. You remember that smallest little mark on a ruler? When's the last time you saw a ruler? Google a ruler, but right there it is. That's a a millimeter. It's tiny. This is Jesus' point. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, if you have the tiniest amount of faith, you can say that this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, Jesus' point was simply this. (laughs) It doesn't take much faith to do what you need to do in life. His point was, and remember, he's talking to his friends. He's looking at them going, you don't have a faith problem. You have a very different problem that's keeping you from forgiving. And then Jesus does what he's so famous for doing. He launches into a story that seems to make no sense, and it seems to have no context of what they're talking about. And I want to read you the story, and I want to see if you can connect the dots and figure out how it applies to forgiveness. It took me years to figure this out. You're probably smarter than me. You'll probably see it the first time. But here's what he says next. He says, suppose, he's talking to his friends, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. So let's just imagine that we own a a big farm, okay? We've got a lot of people who are working for us. 
lot of hired labor, a lot of hired hands. He says, suppose one of you has one of those hired hands who's plowing or they're looking after sheep. They're doing whatever they're doing during the day. They've got day responsibilities, but then they have afternoon or evening responsibilities. He says, will he, the owner, say to the servant when he comes in from the field, will he say, come along now and sit down to eat? Jesus' point is, no. Won't he rather say, okay, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that, you may eat and drink. He says, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? Now we read that and we think, well, he should thank him. Mama said you should say thank you, you know? We read that and think, well, why wouldn't he go ahead and feed him? It'd be a, a generous thing to do. But Jesus' point is this. No, no, this is, a, this is a business environment. This is a business environment. So what does an employee do? An employee does exactly the responsibilities of the employee. And once the resp- employee's done with, finished with all of his responsibilities, then he's going to sit down and eat. But he's got a job to do first. And nobody's looking at that employee going, Oh my goodness, you did exactly what we hired you and paid you today to do. You're so amazing. No, no, no. It doesn't mean you don't show gratitude, but Jesus' point here, what he's teaching about is not gratitude. What's he teaching about? Forgiveness. And here's where he connects the dots. After he tells this story, he looks in the eyes of his friends. He points his finger at you and at me. And here's what he says. So you also... When you have done everything you were told to do, wait a minute, what have we been told to do? Well, Jesus just told us to forgive. We can forgive seven times in a day the same person. To forgive without limit. He says, so you, when you choose to forgive without limit, when I choose to forgive without limit, when we do what we were told to do, he says, should you say, well, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. This is what we should say. This should be our attitude. His friends are looking at him going, oh my gosh, there's no way we could forgive the same person seven times in a day for doing something to hurt us deeply. And Jesus goes, yes, you can. And you don't need faith to do it. You should be doing it because that's your duty. You're not doing anything heroic when you choose to forgive. When you choose to no longer demand payment for what someone took from you or what someone owes you, you're not going above and beyond. That's not an extraordinary, heroic thing to do. You're simply doing your duty. You're like a hired hand, like an employee out on a farm. You're just doing what you have been expected to do. Now, we don't think of forgiveness that way, do we? We think, oh, it's extraordinary. If I choose to forgive someone who's hurt me so deeply, well, I've done something. Jesus is going, no, you haven't, because you will never be asked to forgive any more than you've already been forgiven. Now, why would Jesus say forgiveness for those of us who follow him? Why would he say it's our duty? Why would he say it's just the thing that we should do and we shouldn't think twice about it? Well, because logically, rationally, naturally, forgiven people forgive. This is why. Jesus' point is, okay, what have I forgiven you? Oh, I gave my life on a cross and paid for all of your sins. What's your heavenly father done for you? Oh, even though you've rebelled against him, even though you failed him, even though you've drifted away, even though you've walked away, even though you have offended him repeatedly, he has continued to extend grace and forgiveness to you. So Jesus' point is, okay, well, you have been forgiven much. Don't you think you can forgive a little? You've been forgiven a billion dollar debt. Don't you think you can forgive that person who has a hundred dollar debt? 
a $1,000 debt, a $10,000 debt to you. Well, you put it in those terms, seems to make a little more sense, doesn't it? Put it in those terms, and it seems that we're being a bit ungrateful if we choose not to forgive, if we resist forgiving. So as I thought about this, I thought, okay, what is it that makes it so hard for us to forgive? And honestly, I think it comes down to one of two things. Some of us struggle to forgive because we have never experienced forgiveness ourselves. You see, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you have never embraced this extraordinary gift, this free gift of forgiveness that your heavenly father offers you, a chance to be adopted into his family, a chance for all your sins to be wiped clean, if you have never experienced that, then you're going to have a really hard time forgiving the big stuff. You can forgive the little stuff. You can forgive a lot of stuff, but there are going to be some wounds that are so deep and so painful that I don't know that you're ever going to be able to forgive them. And I'm not being critical of you for that. You've just never experienced unconditional forgiveness yourself. So why would you extend it to somebody else? How could you extend it to somebody else? So for some of you, you've just lived your life self-sufficient, feeling like you didn't need God's forgiveness. And if that's the case, then you're not going to forgive everyone who offends you. Some of you, let's be honest, you grew up in church, grew up around church, you're still a part of church. You know a lot about God, but God's forgiveness has never been personal to you. you. You've never actually gotten to the point where you acknowledged, oh my goodness, I need this desperately. You've never humbled yourself enough to accept the gift and say, there's nothing I can do to earn it. And so you're still living self-sufficient, and because of that, you still struggle to forgive. Now, the other reason some of us struggle to forgive, we have been forgiven much. We've experienced God's forgiveness, but we're just not grateful. We're, we just don't fully recognize how much we've been forgiven. Our problem is not self-sufficiency, it's self-righteousness. Our problem is we're looking around going, well, yeah, God did forgive me, and I'm really appreciative because I'd blown it a few times, but not nearly as bad as her and not nearly as bad as him. So I'm actually doing pretty well. I only needed about this much forgiveness. Those people are the ones who really need a lot. And our self-righteousness creates ingratitude, which prevents us from forgiving. We resist forgiving because we don't actually think we're that bad, and we don't think we needed to be forgiven for too much. And we're wrong. We're wrong. Now, here's the extraordinary thing. I don't want you to miss this. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to make reconciliation possible. Not just reconciliation between you and God. That's important. That's critical. We've heard that. But he also died to make reconciliation possible between you and me, between one another. He died not just so we could be in a loving relationship with God, but he died so we could love one another as well. Now, if you're like me, some of you, you know this, and you want to be a forgiving person. Some of you know this, and you're thinking about something that's a big offense, and it's hurt you. It keeps hurting you. You can't seem to move past it, and it's frustrating. Me talking about forgiveness just makes you feel like a failure because you're thinking to yourself, I tried, I tried. I made the choice, I made the decision, I did what they said to do in church, I did what the preacher said, you know, whatever it may be. I have tried, and yet it keeps coming back over and over and over again, so I guess I just can't do it. I guess I failed, and here's what I would say to you. You've just never had explained to you what forgiveness actually looks like. You're not failing. You're not. You've just never had explained to you there's a big difference between forgiving the act of what was done to you and forgiving the impact. Next week, I'm going to explain what that is. Don't miss next week as we talk through 
what forgiveness looks like in a very practical way, day after day after day. Today, I just want to leave you with this thought. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Do you need to stop resisting forgiving? Do you have a situation, a circumstance, a person, a group of people that you've just said, nope, what they did was too painful. What they did was too evil. What they did was too wrong. I'm never forgiven that ex-spouse. I'm never forgiven my parent. I'm never forgiven my child. I'm never forgiven that boss. I'm never forgiven that group of people who said that. I'm never forgiven those people who made those racist comments. Do you find yourself resisting forgiveness? And if so, will you let go of your anger? You keep holding on to this drug of anger because you want to feel powerful in a powerless situation. Will you let it go? Will you give up the control? Will you stop trying to bring about justice on your own? And will you trust what Jesus taught? That their sin comes prepackaged with a penalty. <laughs> that their sins got some pain that's coming their way. And would you choose to no longer demand payment? Would you choose to cancel the debt? regardless of whether they care or not, whether they're repentant or not, whether they want to restore the relationship or not, doesn't matter. Will you choose to let it go? Not for their sake, for your sake. Will you choose to take that 100-pound backpack that some of you, you have been carrying around for years, so long you have forgotten what life is like without it? We just take it off and sit it down? Say, I don't know that I can do that. Sure you can. If you have experienced the unconditional forgiveness of God, then you can extend that forgiveness to somebody else because forgiven people forgive. It's just what they do. It's who they are. And it's what makes most sense. When you resist forgiving, you forfeit your own freedom. Do not do that. We're going to be a group of people who because we have been the recipients of extraordinary forgiveness, we're going to forgive. We're going to be a group of people who are messengers of reconciliation because we follow a God who reconciled us to himself and made it possible for us to be reconciled to each other. That's who we are. That's what we do. Forgiven people forgive. Can I pray for you? Father, this is so easy to talk about and so hard to do, especially for those who... The wounds run so deep, and the impact has been so great. But would you help us to see where maybe the reason we're resisting forgiving is because we've never experienced forgiveness. For those of us that that's the case, help us to recognize that. For those of us who were just too self-righteous, and we don't think we really needed to be forgiven much, would you open our eyes and help us to see, oh man, our self-righteousness is the worst sin of all. Our self-righteousness is the worst act that creates the greatest impact. And you have forgiven us as much or more than anyone else. Now, for those of you who maybe you've never experienced God's forgiveness personally, it's just not something that you've had confidence. Oh yeah, I'm totally forgiven. Maybe because you've been too self-sufficient to acknowledge you needed it. I want to encourage you right now to make a choice of humility 
and to reach out and accept this forgiveness as a free gift that your heavenly Father offers you because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Would you just right now, where you are, say, Jesus, I give you my life, and I want your forgiveness. Jesus, I give you my life. I need your forgiveness, and I trust you'll forgive me. If you will do that right now, he will not only forgive you, he will bring you into his family and make you a son or a daughter of his. It is an extraordinary thing. Now, if you're making that choice today, I want you to do one last thing for me. If you would, grab your phone and text Follow Jesus to 555-888. Just text Follow Jesus to 555-888. If you're making the choice to accept God's forgiveness and become part of his family for the first time today. And when you text that, we're gonna send you back a link and you can fill out that link real quick and it will allow us to reach out to you to get you some resources you need, but most of all, just to celebrate with you and to answer any questions you may have. We're so happy for you because when you experience forgiveness, it really does change everything. Father, thanks for loving us even when we don't deserve it. Thanks for loving us um, even when we rebel against you. Thanks for a forgiveness that is unconditional. And now would you help us to make the choice to be forgiven people who forgive that will lay down the backpack, will let go of the grudge, and we will trust that you will make things what they need to be with that person. But help us to be free of the grudge ourselves. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.